Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 169. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving for those of you who celebrate. If you follow me on Instagram, maybe you saw my announcement that I became an auntie this week, the day before Thanksgiving. My brother and sister-in-law had a beautiful baby girl, and I am so excited to be an aunt they, um, neither of them are on social media and they don't want their child to be on social media. So obviously I am respecting that and won't be posting any pictures, but I am just over the moon. Oh my goodness. And thanks to everyone who reached out over the past week as well about my dog Stassi. She's been really sick and she has to go to a specialist vet to figure out if she's got some chronic disease or what the hell is going on. So it's definitely been highs and lows this week, highs and lows. Well, one of the highs for me um, was definitely watching Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, which we talk about a lot in this episode. I am absolutely loving it. I love the music. I love the ladies. I'm falling in love with them all over again. And sometimes for the first time, truly, I never understood as someone who only started watching Real Housewives of New Jersey in the later seasons, I never understood the appeal of Teresa. And I feel like I'm starting to finally get it. And um, yeah, it's just been so fun. I also think Winter House has been a ton of fun. I'm so sad that it ended this week. I really feel like we could have had at least two more episodes. They had 17 days of filming, and there was definitely things that were in the promos that they cut out of the episodes, including when Gabby apparently said that Kyle was hitting on her that never aired. And so I want to know what happened to that. In general, I feel like Gabby didn't really work as a newcomer. She didn't seem to mesh with the rest of the people in the house. I do think Julia is a potential reality TV star. She definitely seems to have all the makings of one. And I would like to see more of her. And Jason was by far my favorite. And I really want to know what happened to him and Lindsay. I'm assuming they're not together anymore, but it looks like they dated for a bit after the show. So I'm hoping that we kind of get updates once Summer House starts airing. And I wanted to start airing so soon. I do not know how much longer I can wait. I know it usually premieres in February but that feels like really far away. <laughs> so I'm I'm just hoping it it comes out sooner. In terms of kind of final thoughts on Winter House, I definitely think that Craig and 
page are perfect together. You can kind of start to see a friendship between them um, at the end. I think that Austin is just very, very troubled. And it's it's almost painful to watch when he talks about Madison and the hold that Madison has on him. I think both him and Madison are extremely toxic. And I just... I feel bad for both of them. I feel bad for everyone around them. And I'm wondering if and hoping that Austin's getting some professional help because the strangle that she seems to have on him is is very, it's abnormal. Um, it's, it's weird to me. And the fact that he can't just cut her off and have boundaries, you know, speaks to something, you know, more nefarious going on, I think. It's not fun to watch him, you know, talk to Sierra and not be honest with her at the same time. I thought by the end of watching Winterhouse, I would get a better sense of who Sierra is as a person, and I still don't. Like, the best thing I could come up with is she's the Robin to Paige's Batman, but she's not even because we don't know much about her personality. She doesn't really share a lot. She's just kind of there, and... I don't know. I thought she was really going to shine when I saw the first episode of Winter House. And I just, I don't feel like she has. I, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about all of that. Anyway, this week I have such an incredible guest. I'm so excited to talk to him. Connor Bean from the Housewives and Me podcast. He's based in Ireland. He has the most fantastic accent ever. You guys are going to love our chat. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, give it a five-star rating and write a nice review. And be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to take a quick break and then back with Connor. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I am here with Connor Bean from the podcast Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. He is based in Ireland. I've been so excited to talk to him because I've been looking into my anchor data, and it sounds like 17 to 18% of you listeners are actually from outside the US, including people from Ireland, the UK, Australia, South Africa. Canada. So I am just so excited to be here with Connor. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm all right. I know we're chatting on Zoom and my background, I'm at my dad and stepmom's <laughs> house in Florida. And it does look a bit like the decor from Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. <laughs> it does. Mandy on the island. Housewives on the island. It's all coming together. <laughs> So you're based in Ireland, mm-hmm. but how did you get into the Real Housewives? I mean, I've always been into reality TV. Like when I was a teenager, MTV here showed Newlyweds and the Osbournes and 
even Cribs and the Ashley Simpson show and all those like peak 2000s reality shows. And then when I was in college, I was obsessed with The Hills because A, it was dramatic and fascinating, but I was doing English and sociology and I wanted to study media stuff as well. And The Hills was like this weird, like, how did they film this? Why does it look like a drama? But it's in fact a reality show. And then when I moved to Dublin after college in like 2009, I caught episodes of New Jersey when they were airing on TV here. And I was fascinated by the format. And then it was very hard to find the shows for a while. And then I stumbled on Beverly Hills online a few years later. And that sent me down the rabbit hole. And about, I guess, five, six years ago, I started watching more of the shows and I had friends doing podcasts about it, but the cities I wasn't watching. So I started following those as well. So it's been a gradual thing, but it's been a part of my viewing habits on and off for a good 10 years. And I just think it's a great format. And I love how, because it's all these different cities and even international editions, the core of what the show does is sort of a group of women they talk in monologues to camera and they go on trips but then each show is so different it's a different vibe because one is set here one has sisters in it one is about people in a certain kind of business so i just love how it's like you kind of know what you're getting but also it's totally unpredictable and it's it's just full of great characters and it's also i love the conversations you have about it it tells you so much about a person how they feel about housewives in my opinion so hopefully everybody likes my takes today so maybe they'll take it says <laughs> a lot about you they don't. i think it's so important it's okay to have different takes on housewives yeah. like it's just housewives like, I- jen shaw's innocent guys whatever <laughs> no no it's like i think housewives- jen is jen is going to jail yeah <laughs> housewives should be fun and so yes. when people get all toxic and mean on social media like that's not what this is about that's, that's not, not what vibe. this is about so we've all seen like ladies of london and many of the Mm -hmm. international iterations of housewives is there anything that you think differentiates the american versions uh, of housewives i mean there's definitely a slight polish you get with the american shows because it's on a big u.s network and you know there's money behind it so it's definitely a visual flair that a lot well, the shows have now. It's funny. A lot of people here in the last year have gotten into the shows and I'm trying to convince friends, watch New York and Atlanta from the start. But obviously with New York and Atlanta, those early scenes look a bit rough compared to television now because they were shot like nearly 15 years ago. But I'd, as the shows have developed, they have this very, the American shows are very slick and polished visual style. So there's definitely that. I mean, I think it's just cultural things. Like I always tell people to watch Housewives in Melbourne. And on that show, the contrast is that they're actually quite they're quite brash and they swear a lot and they don't censor the swearing. So that immediately is a difference. Um, I don't know what else. I mean, it's also just that thing. And it's, this is a huge generalization, obviously. And we're talking about people on reality TV, but there is a thing I find as an Irish person, Americans are a bit more forward and confident. And like, I mean, this is bad, but I'm, I'm speaking generally. Irish people would often kind of joke when we see groups of Americans here, they are generally louder than we are. I think it's just a cultural oh, thing. Yes. And as an American, so I don't mean to be like, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I got they to kind that of too. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that kind of element of personality and culture wise. It's just a different country, obviously. So in the housewife swarm, you know, you're going to get confrontation and this and that, which is funny when you think of how big LVP has been on Housewives of Beverly Hills. And her whole thing is to be kind of conflict diverse. And it's almost that's, She's playing it like it's stiff upper lip British vibes, but it's also, I mean, it's her sneaky way of getting through. But that is a cultural difference, right? Like, whereas someone like Kyle is going to say, well, I'm hurt because, whereas Lisa might go, well, we just simply don't talk about that. You know, it's just that kind of like difference. <laughs> Even on Ladies of London, when you think about it, really, particularly the first season was a setup of Brits versus Americans. Look how different they are. And totally. that actually made for a great hook because obviously, look, we can all get along and have different opinions, but 
cultures do vary in terms of how people respond to things. And in reality TV, which is so about conflict and saying what you feel, it's just funny how, like, generally speaking, certain Americans really suit that format, I would say. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Do you have a favorite housewife city in the U.S.? I mean, generally, I would say New York, but we're coming off of a not great season. For me, it's New York slash Atlanta, depending on who's doing what and how the show is doing. So it's probably New York with Atlanta nipping at its heels, and then maybe sometimes Atlanta overtakes. But those are sort of the top two for me. And I've always said this. After that, I would really put Melbourne up next because Melbourne is that good. You know, there's so this new season that they have brought back after a break is not amazing. But generally, the glory days of Melbourne are they sit alongside the American shows for me. Yeah, no, I think New York and Atlanta are absolutely Mm. fantastic. I'm a huge fan of Potomac because I live in the area and because I feel like it's one of the few casts that really hasn't changed that much. Mm -hmm. And so you really get to see the dynamics of the women throughout, you know, and especially in Atlanta, those first few seasons, they've lost so many people like Deshaun. I was just going to say, where is Deshaun? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Atlanta is so good. It's also fun watching some of them from the beginning. I have never seen Jersey from the beginning. So I actually started this past week and it's incredible the timing around it and the timing around the massive financial crisis that, you know, yeah, happened yeah. worldwide and them right. talking about it and like the importance of pain and cash. That was sort of Teresa's reason for pain oh and God. cash. I am paying cash. I don't have any pain and cash. It's like it, dodgy, oh, dodgy. It's just really, it's a time capsule. Yeah. What, you know, watching it, it's like, oh, I do remember that was a wild time, you know? So it's so fun. Shall we dive into yes. Salt Lake City? Okay. Mm-hmm. God, what a, oh, what, a, what a season. What a life. What a season. <laughs> are you worried like some others are that it's going to crash and burn? Because how can you climb after a season like this? Um, No, I think because to their credit, obviously they have this unbelievable playing out in the headlines in real time crime adjacent story playing out that you can't predict. But There is a lot there amongst that group of women and much like Potomac, it still feels quite real and authentic. Now there are things where you can feel the heavy hand of production (laughs) firmly on their shoulders, but there's enough organic stuff there that I still want to know what Lisa Barlow and Meredith are going to say to or for each other. Like Whitney trying to assert herself, Heather's kind of journey with her religion and where she stands with her former, like, you know, there's all that there's stuff there. So no, I'm not too worried. Also, I feel like, until I see a reunion, I'm not going to make any calls because A, will will Jen turn up to a reunion? And B, we're seeing so much stuff week on week on social media with this cast in particular. But I do think whatever happens in the reunion will be explosive. I agree. And I have no idea if Jen will come to the reunion. I mean, I think she will. But after yeah. Stuart flipped on her, I mean, Oof. she's in a terrible legal position. And mm. I can't imagine any lawyer saying, oh, yeah, go do this, even though it is a contractual obligation for her. So, yeah. ooh. Um, okay, so the reactions this week, we see kind of like, they all start sitting at the dinner table saying their true feelings. Oh my about God. It was Jen like a horror Shaw. movie. It was it like was. a horror movie. It was so I loved upsetting. it. I loved it because I was like, I can't believe they're all holding this much in on one yeah. cast member slash friend that, you know, has all been sending them these like <coughs> potential awful messages. So, okay. 
who would you be in this situation? We've got, <laughs> oh my God. We've got, <laughs> I can do this. Oh Meredith, who wants nothing to do with Jen Shaw. Heather, who is. Jennifer Shaw. <laughs> Jennifer Shaw. She always says, Jennifer Shaw. It chills oh, down know. my spine when she speaks <laughs> like that. We've Sorry. got Heather, who's going to stick by her side, even though it's pretty clear that Jen committed oh, crimes or done something mm. very wrong. You've got Lisa, who doesn't know if she knows who Jen is. Whitney, mm. who just wants more information. <laughs> Mary, who feels Jen is reaping what she's sowing. And Jenny, who thinks it's wrong to jump to conclusions. I think I'm straddling the Lisa Whitney position of, I think Lisa, like as much as Lisa feels very much like she's always on, I feel like whatever way the footage we saw, particularly in the episode the week before on the bus that felt obviously wasn't raw footage, but they seem to let the scenes run a lot longer in that episode. And I feel like Lisa really does not know what to make of it. And I think that's probably where most was, would be where we wouldn't want to just like, we wouldn't trust the person, but we'd want more information. I also think Whitney, understands the like I don't I don't think it's even a bad thing people have tried to make Whitney look shady I think Whitney has an idea of how Jen's actual business on paper should work and has a lot of questions and I think if you're in the same field as someone you would want more info so I think I'm in the Whitney Lisa camp I mean Mary kills me with that because in a way I see her point but I'm also like we're watching a possible cult on your doorstep. So I wouldn't be like, <laughs> right. she even watches those. I'm like, and what have you been placing in your crops the last few years, my love? Like, it's like you're in as dodgy a position as as Jen is, you could argue. I, I think so. Definitely not as dodgy because there's no criminal indictment. But I wouldn't want to be saying, oh, you reap what you sow uh, almost to anyone. I just think it's a, a scary thing because it's almost like, what if something happens to you? I, I don't know. Um, okay, so what I thought was so shocking about this week's episode is that all of them have been receiving these weird, threatening mm. messages from a burner phone. That is... <laughs> It's like, like, it's like the wire. Oh, it's like a true crime documentary. I'm like, what am I watching? I mean, like, I love it, obviously, but what, what is going on? I mean, burner phones? Burner phones have been in the, the media a lot this week because apparently <laughs> yeah. the January 6th coordinators were using them. So we're, we're uh, back to burner phones. Uh, it's, it's 2004 She got a two-for-one with the Capitol Stormer. She's like, I'll take the phone you're not using. I have some other jobs <laughs> I'm doing. Anyway, allegedly, as Wendy Williams would say, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so if you or a family member of yours was receiving these types of messages, like how would you respond I mean, you would be shocked because obviously right off the bat, it's a shocking and weird thing to do. So you would be, and you'd also start to wonder who, because we have to remember, technically they didn't, quote unquote, didn't know who it was at first. So if you didn't, if it was an unknown number, but it was written in a certain syntax, you would start going, is this someone I know? And then obviously they're in such a weird position where they're working with this person slash their friends at them slash they're doing the show. So like, I'm sure they don't know how much they can or can't say. So I don't, I think I would be, I would want to know who it was or try and figure out who it was, but I'd be freaked out because there's something there's so even I find on social media, like, you know, if I'm having a busy week, I, I do not have a massive falling by any means, but like sometimes I will let my DMS build up so I can look at them at a time when my brain just can handle the information or talk to someone I don't know. And if I was getting, and that's just random, like, hey, can I ask? Like, they're they're not threatening, obviously. Thank God, Jen Shaw is not DMV. But like, if <laughs> I was getting threat, <laughs> hold on. But like, if I was getting unsolicited text messages from a number I didn't know that was threatening me, and I couldn't even just, you know, they were coming straight to my phone, I would be so in. I feel so invaded by that. So I would be really 
freaked out. Like it would really, that's why I said it had this horror movie feel when they all start, particularly because we come off of Lisa being like, I don't want to say, I can't. Like it just felt really high stakes and creepy. It's so weird. And then for, you know, I know Heather and Whitney were comparing messages, but Mm -hmm. maybe they thought they were the only two receiving them. And if Mm -hmm. Meredith didn't share that she was receiving these messages with others, maybe she thought she was the only one. So for them to, I'm wondering, was this the first time that they all Mm. realized that they all had received threatening messages? I think so. And I kind of got the impression because, you know, obviously, all these shows are produced and I would wager that, you know, generally what we've heard is that a producer is assigned to a wife or two. I would argue that maybe one producer knew, joined the dots and said, well, I have my cast member telling me this, yours are the same experience. They need to discuss this together and perhaps find out as a unit on camera that this is happening because it sounds like they were having these individual experiences and not, and you know, the thing where something happens to you and you don't tell your friends and you feel like you're alone in it and then when you share your other friend goes oh no that happened to me too so like in a horrible way they're probably bonding and finding solace in the fact that this bad thing is happening allegedly from allegedly Jen's alleged burner phone I mean and this I have to laugh it's just so wild it's what, but it was months and months ago that this was going on mm-hmm. almost maybe a year ago so it was while the first season was airing and I would want to know if I were them was Jen receiving these messages too because if she's not receiving yes. messages and everyone else is, I mean, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Survey you know, says. <laughs> it's like, who's calling the paparazzi or who's t- talking to the media on Girls Trip? And it's Kenya Moore yeah. has a picture with the TMZ reporter. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, but that was pretty wild. Do you think that the women's reaction to hearing that Meredith hired a PI was like, what do you think about that reaction? I mean, how did they react? Sorry, I'm sure I remember the scene. So I watched the episode on Monday. My brain is like... <laughs> I feel like Whitney was like, I can't believe that a friend hired a PI to go after oh, yes, another yes. friend. I can remember but, what they're saying. But yeah, Meredith yeah, sorry, so, yeah. clarified on Watch What Happens Live that she, her and her family received these messages. And then she hired a PI yeah. to look into the messages, not to investigate Jen. So there is a difference. But it, for me, it felt like Whitney thought it was a bigger crime for a friend to hire a PI against a friend than for someone to be involved in a massive telemarketing pyramid scheme. <laughs> if we don't all tell each other what's happening, we are in danger. Um, I think what it is, you know, I was thinking about it just there. It, it dawned on me as you were saying that, that I do wonder, is there a little bit of an honor code or an ethics thing amongst participants on a reality show like this where you try and handle certain conflicts off camera or without involving certain forces to either play it out on the show or to stop certain things going on the show and maybe the implication there and I'm just completely spitballing here is that Whitney's not impressed that Meredith immediately ran to a PI when maybe you should play it on the show whereas Meredith and I could understand this logic because I actually missed the the, the Watch Happens Live with that I must catch up on it I could get that if my family received those messages I'd be like whatever at me as a public facing reality TV person, I don't want my kids and particularly the homophobia that Brooks was getting from someone on Jen's social media. I could see, I can see why Meredith just did what she did. And I can understand Whitney's reaction because it probably speaks to like, you know, like the thing where you're not meant to sue a cast member or you're not meant to do X, Y, and Z, or, you know, always I think the kids should be off limits in terms of what we discuss. I do think particularly for these newer cast members, they are trying to set out how do we handle our business together 
when our business also is on camera, but also we all, there's so much going on behind the scenes, I'm sure, on all these shows, particularly the newer ones. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot more sense, actually, now that I think about it in that term. Because mm. I was like, why is she so upset about what Meredith did and seems to be almost brushing aside how bad what is going on with Jen is? Because Meredith was the only one that was like, hey, there are victims here. There are people that yeah. Defrauded, and I know that you're. You know, it's Heather's very focused on Jen's family, and she knows Jen's yeah. family, and she cares. And you know, she's like, I don't want to walk out on someone at their lowest, and I get that. But mm. in order to not walk out at someone at their lowest, you're there's part of you that's like not focusing on the the victims. Uh, or the alleged victims. It's like people went so hard after Erica Jane, who did right, not. Yeah commit a crime that we know of. She's not been indicted for anything. It was Tom that was doing this stuff, and even Mm. he hasn't been indicted. So, uh, you know, for the people to go so hard on Erica, and then we've got facts upon facts upon facts with Jen. I mean, you've got Homeland Security, (laughs) the Southern District of New York. I mean, this is a kind of investigation that takes so many federal mm-hmm. resources and the Southern District of New York, they don't indict people unless they have a case they think they can win. Is airtight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I know it's not funny, but I did find it like <laughs> in the way Housewives is so darkly comic. Um, will you visit her in prison? I was like, oh my God, marriage with you are awful. <laughs> like had to be like, I will, I will sell my, well, you know, when she's in jail and the slammer and the pokey, will you pop in for a visit? I was like, Jesus, Meredith. I think because, listen, there's an element of, is it Schadenfreude? Oh my God, I sound like Dorinda. No, 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 Schadenfreude. That Schadenfreude, I remember that was on New York. What is that? What is that? Um, <laughs> there is an element of that with marriages, but also, you know, when you think about it, that's what we want to play out because, we're con- I think as viewers of all the cities where we are, as you say, contrasting Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City and seeing the difference where we as a viewership took issue there. Again, I certainly did. Whereas we were annoyed at the women on the show didn't. Whereas on Salt Lake City, the fans seem, listen, I don't think any of the fans of Salt Lake City are okay with what Jen did, but we're, we're not, we're, we're more interested in the group reaction and the group is actually reacting. So, I mean, even it's funny on Watch What Happens Live when Andy's asked any of the Salt Lake City's ladies, what do you think about what happened to Erica? And they're all like, yeah, it's different. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it really <laughs> it's like, it truly is. <laughs> it really is different, though. So uh, also on that Watch What Happens Live with Meredith, she did kind of go really hard to bat for Mary in defense of Mary. I've seen the clips um, of that. Oh, that including is weird. that if this guy mortgaged his home and gave $300,000 to the church. Meredith is like, well, that could be, uh, you know, that's a tax write-off. That's a donation to a charitable cause. He wasn't in his right mind, kind of alluding to he had a brain tumor. Was he coerced? Coerced. He said, she said the word coerced. Literally, I was like, that's giving me Gaga Hisaguchi. Coerced. And and that's because she's also a trained lawyer. And there is like a legal definition of coercion as well. There's like what we Uh, feel is coercion. Like you could feel coerced to give money. But I think there is a legal threshold. And so how do you feel about Meredith or the other women that are supporting Mary and going so hard for Jen and then vice versa? You know, Heather, who's really being so supportive of Jen, but has kind of her you know spidey sense out for mary yeah the contrast is very odd i suppose as you mentioned look what's happening with jen 
we're, we're seeing like an indictment and a huge attempt to arrest Jen. So obviously there is something to those, to that story. Whereas the Mary thing at the moment feels like kind of wicked whispers, like it's things being passed around and this person told me. And so it's a slightly different, I suppose, um, amount of information they're being presented with, but Meredith's sort of blind loyalty towards Mary from what we've seen so far, even with the social media stuff and, and watch what happens. It's just, I find it a bit puzzling because I feel like they don't even really get into Meredith's legal background on the show. Whereas, you know, when housewives usually, the women love to mention how multifaceted they are. So if any other city, you there was a legal person, they would mention it. Whereas I actually forget. And you would think Meredith would be, particularly now, would be like, I'm a lawyer or whatever. Like you'd think she'd be mentioning it, but she doesn't really. So I'm a bit surprised by the Mary stuff and how they're reacting. And then I'm wondering, is it because you know, that thing where we're just watching it. So we don't know any of them. And so we watch her presented with, but are the women who are interacting with Mary having a different experience of her in the room? And I suppose it's not, it's important to remember that like Meredith sees Mary as very much in the corner of her son and seems to have a good relationship with Brooke. So is there something where Meredith feels a sense of blind loyalty to Mary? I don't know, because if you take away the very serious questions about the church or her money or whatever, just the way she acts at times is really rude. It's as rude as a Ramona character on another city. Like she's so rude to Whitney in particular this season. It's kind of hard to watch. And you know, that whole thing where last season she apparently filmed as a friend of, and they bumped her up to full time. I'm sure at some point in post-production. And so we didn't see Mary at the group that often. Now I really feel like Mary is like, why did I sign up for full-time this time? Because I actually hate this. Like she doesn't seem to enjoy the nuts yeah. and bolts of filming with them. She's like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Like your gig is to be here and be on the show. And she seems so over it. So I'm amazed that Meredith does not have more of an issue with Mary's vibe in general, which is just kind of rude. Even and at that volatile. It feels volatile. Yeah. It feels like yeah. it goes up and down in a really um, mm-hmm. unpredictable, kind of scary way. Like the how dare you question me? I don't like that kind of attitude from any housewife. It's like you are, people can question you. People can question yeah. anyone. It's okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Absolutely. I'm trying to see both sides here uh, just as a viewer. So it feels like with from my perspective, Meredith only deals in cold, hard facts. And there are cold, hard facts against Jen. And everything with Mary is swirling rumors and has she hasn't really heard a whole lot of facts. But on the side of the other women, I think these rumors have been circulating. They've had nuggets of information about Mary for a while. And I think they all somewhat assumed it would come out this season. And then when Jen got arrested, it threw the whole storyline that they, I think, thought was unfolding for a loop. And they don't know what to make of what's going on with Jen. This has only been less than 24 hours. Yeah. So they are then going back to the sort of script at hand that they had sort of planned. I don't think they'd planned out, but I certainly but they think thought Lisa it would come up. Had, yeah. It had yeah. started to slowly unfold. And I think mm-hmm. they're not dumb. They, they knew this was unfolding. Um, and with Jen not physically in Vail, they just were like, well, who's here that we can go after? You know, and that's actually, excuse me, <clears throat> that's a good point about Jen not being available. Because, you know, maybe on some level they went, well, she's not here. They might not want us to talk about Jen anymore. So who's in the room? Oh, Mary, we low-key think you might be in a cult, like, or running a cult, like, <laughs> allegedly. It's just, you know, you, that's a good point. And, I mean, that's why the last couple of weeks of Salt Lake City have been so interesting is 
you do feel like they're letting scenes run a little bit longer and they're reacting in a very real way where it's not just, well, I heard this and I'm not going to have the conversation on camera. It's you're finding out on camera, you're reacting on camera all in the space of 12 hours on camera, this happens. And then you have to keep processing it while you're on the girls trip, which from what I can gather, it was their trip away for the season. Cause obviously they can't go too far afield. So, you know, and that's always a big deal on these shows. It's sort of the culmination of the season is the three, four episodes you film on your trip. So that's why it's been interesting watching them react in real time and actually been more interesting than Beverly Hills. Cause that felt like a slow drip of information. Whereas we've been getting like intense, like, breaking down areas of footage really quickly and showing us how their reaction to stuff it's been fascinating but that's a good point i think that's why they're sort of defaulting to but what about mary but we're like well what about jen this is happening now like give us your reaction right and with beverly hills it's like they couldn't even get through that one article and there was only that <laughs> one article that really did it was have... really long oh it was a really long article <laughs> and it was the only yeah. article that had all the nuggets of information there before <laughs> yeah. that there really wasn't a whole lot that you would yeah. know much about. That was about. an expose big time and it was very well reported. And I know when Erica called it a hit piece, I was like, sorry, that's, that's not a not hit a piece. Hit that's piece, journalism. Yeah, like, they that's... sat down, they they <laughs> quoted sources and they proved like not sorry, but quote unquote prove was maybe the wrong phrase, but they they backed up everything. That wasn't just allegedly sources close to us. That was right. like and Tom, clearly approved by lawyers. Tom did misappropriate money that was found legally. That's how this whole thing started with the yeah. $2 million that they couldn't figure out where it went. And so that legal judgment was, okay, this $2 million didn't go where it was supposed to, and that's on him. And so that's yeah. that's a fact, right? That's, that's proof. Mm-hmm. That's not alleged anymore. So... Um, Let's go to Lisa Barlow for a second. How do you feel about Ugh. her both as a housewife, but also how she's navigating the Jen and Mary drama of it all, sort of spilling tidbits of information here and there, not really sharing everything all at once? What do you make of it? I mean, I am um, like from last season at the reunion, I went, oh, I'm I'm suddenly obsessed with Lisa Barlow and this whole second season. I mean, listen. She's a bit of a mean girl. Probably, probably wouldn't be someone I'd actually like in real life. I really love her on the show. She's like lacking in self-awareness. There is a campy quality to her. The stuff she comes out with, her turn of phrase is hilarious to me. Like, and I do find the way she's trying to navigate the group interesting in that there is this long-standing relationship with Meredith. And I do think it's frozen a little bit or something has gone down that they're not really talking about or they've just drifted apart. And she's trying to both stay on the right side of Jen and Mary and try and build bridges, but also clearly has issues with both of them, particularly I think Mary more so. And maybe as you mentioned, had information with Mary that she thought she would just slide in throughout the season. So yeah, I mean, I just uh, watching her reactions on that bus trip were my favorite moments, the, <laughs> like the veering in tone. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. And then like when they were sat on the thing and Jenny starts having snacks and she's like, I could go for those. Like suddenly just completely on the snack train. I was like, oh my God, you know what? Like the, there's a name on everybody's lips. It's Lisa Barlow. What can I say? <laughs> she definitely is a fantastic housewife. She keeps the show moving. Yeah, I just view her a little bit as trying to play the role of LVP and mm. not succeeding. Where LVP mm. had people who trusted her and she would feed information to them and then it would come out and her hands would be clean. And it took a while for viewers to catch up to that. Yeah. And yeah. With Lisa, 
her castmates are calling her out. Like, you know, Whitney's saying, you're setting me up right now. And and then Heather being like, why aren't you sharing what's happening? And Meredith being like, give me one nugget of information about mm-hmm. Mary. Like they're and then calling she blurts her it out, out oh. on it. So it, it's it's just so interesting to watch. And it is, I mean, that's the one thing I both, I actually weirdly enjoy about Salt Lake City like at times they're not actually as good yet at the subterfuge and the underhandedness and the sort of second layer of what goes on. Whereas they are on Potomac and, and the more established cities as well, I guess, because Potomac's not new, new, but it's newer than the long-term shows. And that's actually kind of entertaining seeing them trying to like, particularly in a second season, trying to size each other up and kind of go, well, I've got this information. And that's why at times it does feel a bit clunky. Like, you know, even when Meredith met Cameron and she's like, I just had a really disturbing conversation. It just felt so, and like, he's like, I'm going to let you guys talk. It was just very like <laughs> stagey so, and, and odd. So like, so they're clunky. not quite there yet. Yeah, they're not quite there yet, but that's oddly fascinating because we as viewers, I think are very sophisticated in how we take on these shows and the storytelling. We kind of spot a, a planted story in my love. And we obviously also have a very real in the moment thing with Jen happening. And so the contrast is, oddly entertaining even though technically it's not a good thing yeah i don't know i feel like a lot of tension between lisa and meredith both in things that they have said to each other Mm -hmm. but also in the things that are unsaid and i think Mm -hmm. that meredith went to lisa with some of this information about jen i don't think she's kept it all to herself i you know and now with things coming out she's like i told you guys i told you something was off with her and she is yeah capable of very very devious stuff so and then we'll we'll end on that scene between jen and her attorneys where she claims if i'm at fault for anything it's giving too much and helping too many people connor (laughs) what do you make of this one thing i do want to say that scene was interesting on a number of levels but it did feel like that was not filmed that week. It just was not, there was a lack of urgency about Jen and the lawyer and the way it was set up. I was like that reeked of, oh, we need you to do this and we'll place it as the day after or whatever. I was like, there is no way Little Miss fresh out of the arrest was going to be that. Like it just read a bit weird to me. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing Jen try and talk her way out of this because even her in the confessional trying to explain the phone call about Sharif, I was like, none of this. She's sticking none. with it. I was like, you She's are sticking with wild. it today. She could even have said, she could have said, I was given a call that the police were after me and I couldn't figure, I would have said, I don't know why, because I've done nothing wrong, but I didn't want to tell the women because I thought it was a misunderstanding. So I just said that about Sharif. I shouldn't have been said. She's like, and he was sick. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's, that's, you're in so deep with that lie. Like, that's actually, that's scary to me. And also Sharif is a lawyer, not just a trained lawyer. He practiced, I think, for over 12 years. So whereas Meredith Marks never, I don't think, practiced law for a long period of time, and she's not currently a practicing attorney, Sharif Mm -hmm. practiced. And I know he did like sports attorney stuff, and it's, but like, you know, the basics of criminal law if you go through law school. And (laughs) you know the basics. Oh my God. You have to, you know, to pass the bar, to get through. Yeah. Yeah. The audacity we'll of see. Gunshaw. 
that's going to be the real like kind of eye opener. It's just seeing how she navigates this. We haven't even got to the obviously probably iconic dinner where Meredith says lines in the trailer and, and all that stuff. But like, yeah, I, th- that was actually the whatever about how you may or may not feel about what's been alleged about Jen, her handling of it so far has been. And I think that's where a lot of us turn in Erica too, like how Erica reacted and responded turn people off but also you could understand her anger because on some level she was trying to say she was arguing it's nothing to do with me whereas jennifer's jennifer I'm like married now saying her full name jen is kind of trying to like wash her hands of like really serious charges that we have as you say cold hard reported facts on it's just like you're not going to outdo court the southern district and of new york you are not you're not going to outdo an indictment that detail it just doesn't but then do i want to watch someone trying to do that in full glam talking directly <laughs> to camera yes i do yes. it's called it's why i watch these shows why i do a podcast about them <laughs> you know we gotta get what we can get out of jen yeah. chat right now she might she's be gone be locked. she'll be gone she'll will be you gone. watch her will you watch her be interviewed in prison will you watch her in prison oh my god she's gonna be locked away so far oh Okay, let's touch down on Potomac briefly. I know it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to recap reunions, but yeah. wanted to get your thoughts on Wendy versus the Green Eyed Bandits and her uh, just like mm. she's just so angry with them. Yeah, it's tricky because I I loved Wendy in her first season. Like I, you know, I Me really too. liked what she brought, and I thought she was an interesting character. And the more this season plays out, the more I'm like, oh, Wendy, you're having that like really annoying housewife second season where you're just trying too hard. The fact that she was a bit of a dork was what I liked about her. And it stood in contrast to the group. I am totally here for her glow up and for her, like getting her judge with like cosmetic surgery. Like I have no issue with that, but like she has really like an auntie even pulled her up on it. She was really trying to make a moment with this printed out on a board text message receipt. And it just feels a bit forced and i think there's a grain of truth because i like giselle on the show i enjoy giselle a lot and i really like robin but they are a bit of a terrible two, uh, terrible twosome and they can be shady so there's a grain of truth in what wendy's trying to say but she's adding this layer of like you are all so awful to me and i've done nothing of the sort i'm like well you've actually overreacted a lot all season so it's at some point like when robin kind of said a few weeks ago and i don't know if i can swear when she was like you're just kind of an That's asshole right. yeah i got what she and you're like you can swear (laughs) Um, I got what Robin was saying she was just saying you're overreacting and I think the subtext here is that Wendy is trying to make a moment of everything from a show point of view whereas Giselle in particular who's very good at being on the show knows that I don't have to force the moment the moment will happen organically and I'll play it well and Robin is sort of along for the ride with Giselle who's great TV and Wendy just and she's doing that thing where I'm kind of like, oh, I feel like you don't have anyone in your corner now. And I want you to stay in the show and recalibrate. And I actually think Giselle and Wendy together could be a really fun duo. But she's just, I don't know. And I want Wendy to stay. I love Wendy. I love her husband. I love her vibe. She's gorgeous. She's like so fun when she's in her solo scenes. But the the choices she's making in terms of how to handle the conflict and being on the show, I find baffling for someone who is clearly really intelligent. Yeah. I know. I've been very disappointed in her, mainly because I really liked her last season. And I feel like she watched herself and tried to change how she came across in such a calculated way. Yes, she's smart. So that's what she did. She calculated it. But 
I enjoyed her talking about her political commentary, her education, yeah. all of that. And now she's like into candles. Like that's not that interesting. If you yeah. if you've, you're a political commentator and you've got a PhD, and you know, and this is what you're talking about, and you say it's your passion. It's not your passion. It's so obvious. It, she didn't even have a business plan. Like, how can you say it's your passion if you write more than a paragraph and then you have your husband set it all up? Like, that's what feels inauthentic. But I get why she's so upset with Giselle. I don't understand why she's upset with Robin. Robin, I felt like, had a valid, like, hey, I didn't know what Ashley had said to you. This, Yeah. I texted you, but that was like a long time ago. It was however many weeks before this. And I didn't think it was true. So I didn't know you would get so upset. You know, I didn't know why you were so angry. And I thought that was valid. I think Giselle is the one that, you know, was caught lying. It's just yeah. no one seems to care. I also, I will say, one of my favorite tropes, particularly in recent years in Housewives, is seeing their text messages and how they say, I mean, like Mary saving her husband and her phone is dad. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I could do an hour on that alone but like just in general i love when they have someone saved as so-and-so rhop or seeing how they write and obviously even with the gen thing like how this the how they allege she writes text so i did just love being able to pause and really read the message on a board i was like you should actually do this with all the text because it's a great way as if you were to be like oh that's how robin texts like i loved that but yeah i mean it's it's weak but i just i love seeing how people use their phones in these shows it's such a weird hidden gem but it's fascinating it is so fascinating. Another person I thought I just am very fascinated with and can't quite make heads or tails of is Mia. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Gordon. Um, do you think Mia will be back next season? And do you want her back? I would love for her to come back. What's interesting is, you know, the post she's put up on social media about, I nearly didn't come to the reunion. This is not the show I signed on for. And sort of the way her or someone on her behalf was going really hard in social media and now she's walking it all back. I feel like she's talking herself out of a second season and I'm a bit baffled by that because from what we got on camera, I thought there was lots there and I think I want to see where her place in the group goes. And She's an interesting character because, you know, she owns the fact that she's had work done and she's a certain kind of look and, you know, we'll probably get to Candace, I'm sure, but some of the stuff to me that Candace was saying was trying to go, Mia looks like a man, ha, 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 which is this kind of transphobic dog whistle. When you call someone handsome and talk about their feet, I was like, I know what you're not. I feel like I know what Candace is trying to nod at sometimes. And Mia's not afraid to go, yeah, I got big feet. I've had my, I've had work done. I'm what of it. And I appreciate when someone just goes, try another angle because that's not going to work for me. So I would like her to come back. I mean, I think we've slightly forgotten about it because so much else has happened, but like still for better, mom was really moving and very, it's like there's a raw quality to that that you don't often get. We well, do get on Housewives, but like sometimes not with a first season person because they're so new. And I think there's things that G has done on the show that I don't really like, but I do find the way he's so behind her on that and understanding of that is very moving. And I think that's the vulnerability of Mia. I would like a little more of and the fun, like popping off and throwing the salad. Like I'm here for that too. But <laughs> yeah, the reunion felt a wee bit like. Mia, like, well, no, more post reunion, what she's saying on that, it feels like she's trying to w- walk back things and maybe control her eggs. Because, you know, what we hear is that they kind of get an offer after reunion, a contract goes out. And I, sometimes when they start downplaying things, I'm like, are you trying to get ahead of the fact you don't think you're coming back? Because yeah. I want her back. I think I it will be back. fun to have her back. Yeah. 
I did not make the connection to the transphobic dog whistles about the big feet. And I know that's definitely a thing. Yeah, and you know, it's just if you wear this isn't aware like that she's doing that, even if that's not like her intention. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's the why would you make fun of a woman for having large feet? She's trying to kind of go, she's, you look like a man. And yeah. I'm really like, Sorry, I know lots of quote unquote men who look like women and vice versa, and they're gorgeous. So actually, your point doesn't. And that used to be a big thing on Housewives years ago. And I remember when Kenya kind of got into trouble for that a few years ago. Yes. And it's like I'm listen. I'm not trying to like. And with Luann, how they go after Luann? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I just think in this day and age, you know, certain things it goes beyond being like a. It's not nice to that person, and b. It's like. And I'm sure Candace has lots of LGBT fans and wouldn't maybe even consider herself in that space, which is totally like of being anti anybody. But, you know, when you use certain language a certain way, it can play into these like just ham fisted kind of like not necessary things that just feel a bit below the bed. Not unlike the way they talked about Ashley's body this year or, you know, like I just at times I was like calling someone han- a woman handsome, like in that tone is you're trying to start something that you like won't finish. You know, it's just a bit like yeah. I don't need to hear that. Oh, that's oh, that's so disappointing. And you know, Candace had those, you know, I know it was a long time ago, but she had a lot of, uh, you know, homophobic yeah. tweets that came out that she apologized for. And I think people yeah. should be allowed to apologize and, and for move sure. forward. And the LGBTQ community can take what it wants with that and individuals yeah. can take what they want with it. But yeah, that's how did you feel about Nicki Minaj's entrance and immediate <laughs> going after Ashley's throat? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm a little bit like, I'm excited to have Nikki there from the point of view of having a huge star entry into this space because it's so unusual. I'm a person like generally will be a fan of Nikki's music and her place in pop culture. I'm a little bit the last few years she has, in my opinion, tainted it slightly with the story about her husband and the oh, recent yeah. vaccine She's stuff. She's involved I- in the stuff with her husband. That's what I, I didn't mean, realize until that's... recently. She's involved. I don't want to blame someone for what their spouse yeah. does, but she's, she's involved. She's playing into it in a way that I think is really, really disappointing and even I know this probably isn't as big a story in the US, but over here, there's this British girl group, Little Mix, and one of the girls left, Jesse Nelson, did a solo song with Nikki, and Nikki was defending Jesse over allegations about blackfishing and commentary and went after like the only black girl, sorry, the only I was going to say girl group member, but the only black member of that group and said awful stuff about them. I'm just like personally a bit disappointed in Nikki as a public figure and then the vaccine stuff, obviously, or lack thereof. But then, so I'm like, you know, it's that thing at Housewives, you have to park a lot of stuff because you're like, like Ramon yeah. or whoever, you're like, here we go. But putting that aside, it is fun seeing her in that space. And, you know, there is something to be said about the fact that like Andy is great at what he does, but he is sometimes a bit clueless as a white guy in that space, how to handle certain situations and cultural references and things like that. So you could see immediately, Nikki kind of said, let me sit down, with, you know, my peers, if you will, in pop culture and have it out with them. So I appreciated how she seemed to be kind of, kind of, now I'm sure it's a little bit edited up to make it look like she went hard from the jump, but she clearly A, watches the show and had things to say. And as Andy said to her, you can kind of pick a side. Andy does have to try and read the temperature of us as an audience, ask the questions that need asking of everybody. And then I'm sure has his own takes on everything. Whereas Nikki can be like, I don't like X or I don't like Y. So I like that. And I like, you know, the pageantry of having a huge star at a reunion and seeing if, because they really did surprise the cast. Like I thought they would, yeah. you know, let them know. They really did actually have Nikki walk out from behind a styrofoam pillar and say, hey, it's here. You know, so it's, I'm curious. Obviously they did that total problem thing of we got like 
three minutes of, of footage, but we'll see it all at the final. Now we also right. get why we have four parts. I was like, oh, I get it. You wanted to give Nikki more grammar time. But yeah, I'm enjoying it with all my Nikki caveats in place. Because yeah, it's just... It it's also a, it's puts the women in a tough position because they have to act excited to see her. Yeah. Like, what if they're like, oh, <laughs> a huge. And if they were like, you like are, you know, going after someone that your husband raped as a teenager and you're yeah. harassing her like the, it, it's, you know, I mean, people were the, making memes online, like, you know, I know a screenshot of. Uh, Nikki asking Ashley about Michael and people like well I would just ask her about her husband and I was like well right. actually if Nikki Nikki was on Housewives that's what would happen <laughs> like, right. that's what would happen Whew. well you did bring up Ramona and how you have to uh. sometimes you know <laughs> <look past> that, <laughs> your hangups let's jump into Real Housewives Ultimate mm-hmm. Girls Trip Oh, oh so my good. goodness. So we've got five episodes out so far. I know. Who has surprised you the most out of the seven women? I think Teresa, because I understand Teresa's place in the Housewives canon and why she was chosen for the trip. But I have, I have kind of, I wouldn't say soured. I just don't get as much out of Teresa on the show the last few seasons of New Jersey. And at times I find her kind of, I don't find her as expressive or as communicative as I like someone on Harry's voice to be. She's a bit monotone and a bit closed off. And there's something about her. Maybe it's because she's removed from, I know Melissa's there, but a lot of the family stuff and her typical day-to-day, she does seem warmer and more, like she's actually just more eloquent. Like, you know, she's just a bit more like able to have a conversation and actually drive story in a way that, I, so she is really surprising because I thought, oh, Teresa's going to go in like a bulldog and fight with everybody and, and be mean to Melissa. But actually, we're seeing another side of her. And then conversely, Cynthia, who I've always adored, and I still do really like, I feel like we're seeing another side of her. And I, I wonder if she's a little bit, because she she kind of joked this week, she didn't like being called an attention whore. And I think Cynthia in her head sees herself as a peacemaker and a down-to-earth character. And I think she is. But she's not willing to cop to the fact that she too has an ego because she's on reality TV and she's right. a human being, you know? Like so I'm seeing this other side of her. Some way. Yeah. I'm like, like, you're not though. Act- right. You're in the muck with everybody else. You know, you're in the mood. Come on. I would actually completely agree with you. I have never been a Teresa fan. I also have not watched the show since the beginning. I've only started yeah. maybe season eight and I've just found her to get away with everything. And that yeah. really bothered me. But seeing her on, on, ultimate girls trip like there's a sweetness to her there's an honesty to her i kind of understand her she's got a creed and she sticks by it like it or not like live life like the godfather and if you don't then i will be very upset um yeah (laughs) do you think uh cynthia is being too sensitive like kyle has been saying i think a small bit i think what it is too is like i was really impressed with the way cynthia was able to handle Ramona you know I was gonna say a few weeks ago no like days ago because it's all the one week but like her way of dealing with excuse me her way of dealing with Ramona was really excellent and shows this compassionate kind of thought outside to Cynthia but I think because Cynthia sees every angle and over almost overthinks a bit she gets a bit annoyed if her message doesn't come across clearly or she can't kind of patch things up and so I think that's where some of her courage comes from because I think, for example, when Kyle said the thing about let's not do that at the game, I was like, I get Kyle's point because Cynthia said, well, this is my intention and I'm going to do this. I think what she was annoyed about was the misreading of her intention and the implication that she was 
callous more so than I'd say if you said Cynthia, you kind of pissed me off with X. She'd go, I'm really sorry. But I think she was annoyed about, well, I'm doing this and this is how I've planned this. And if you don't get why I've planned this, I'm annoyed at you because I have an idea of where this is. She wants to control things in a way that I don't think is malicious, but when you want to control things, you're going to get annoyed when you can't control them. And I think that's actually what we're seeing that you're realizing how thought out Cynthia is. And that's sometimes on these shows, someone's worst enemy because then they can't react in the moment and laugh things off or go, Oh, it is what it is. She's kind of holding on to these tiny things and they're all like, Whoa. And she is the serious and deep person. I appreciate that. Cause I would probably be that person in that group if I'm being honest but it does at times you do just want her to chill out because Cynthia can be fun and she's a warm person. And she does still at the back of it, strike me as a kind person. And you can't say that about a lot of people on these shows. You just can't. That's true. That is very true. It's, it's so interesting to watch her. I I'm Mm. enjoying it because it's leading to conflict and conflict resolution and just people taking things different ways. I understood where Kyle was coming from. She's like, I've got four daughters. I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. Like having a competition of who's prettiest is definitely something I am uncomfortable with. And then you've got Cynthia, who's a former model, whose whole life was built around being the prettiest Mm -hmm. and competition for being prettiest. And sometimes she was and sometimes she wasn't. So she was able Mm -hmm. to kind of have maybe a harder shell uh, around how people judged her looks because that was her job. So it was just Mm -hmm. interesting to see like that particular I totally understood where exactly where both of them were coming from. I think too, it's really interesting. And they sort of said this in passing, because obviously they're breaking the fourth wall in a way I just am obsessed with. And I wonder if it'll bleed into the regular shows, but in Atlanta, they're able, they go harder in certain things and they'll be harsher with each other, but they'll walk it back and keep going. Whereas Beverly Hills in particular is often, maybe not this season because the Erica stuff is so explosive, but is often based on tiny grievances played out for weeks on end, months on end in the case of their actual filming schedule. And I think in Cynthia's head, she's like, I have had way worse said about me to me and by me on the, on my show. Why would X bother you? And I'm, cause I think that's why Cynthia likes to plan and control. Cause she knows on Atlanta, mad things are going to happen and they're going to say crazy shit. And then the next day be fine. Like the stakes are very different in every city. And I think that's where a lot of the, the smaller comedies are coming from is how how they all handle themselves on camera is just so vastly different when you think about how they interact on their own shows or my show they'll say on my show i'm like it's not <laughs> your show the show you're on yeah <laughs> on my show i'm like whoa 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 <laughs> that that's such a good point so kyle said in this fifth episode that you know is room is ramona rude yeah can she be inappropriate sure but am i entertained absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like we're potentially nearing Ramona's end as a housewife? I mean, what Kyle said, I think, is something we've all said as viewers to appoint Ramona over the years. But I was thinking, watching this new episode, I was like, I think we're coming to the end of our Ramona line in that, like, after some point. And even if you factor in her behavior in this season of, of New York as well, it just, I'm kind of, for me, my thing is sometimes people go, who cares if you don't agree with their politics or their point of view or just this, like we need difference. And I'm like, yeah, but no matter where someone sits on that spectrum of thought or opinion, if the story or the place that they're coming from the show is a constant self-fulfilling cycle and doesn't evolve, then I'm like, regardless of who they are or what their beliefs are, they probably need a break from being on camera because it's like, it becomes the same thing. And 
it's funny because Ramon was like, oh, I've developed a self-awareness from being in the program. They were all like, sorry, are <laughs> you, you out face. of your mind? That <laughs> shot of Cynthia being like, huh? excuse me. So <sighs> Kyle has a point. She's right. Like we've, we have as an audience felt that about Ramona for years, but I do also think for me, like Cynthia, we know Cynthia's not going back to Atlanta for the time being. This is actually maybe not the worst send off because we're seeing the light and shade, the good and bad of Cynthia, like any human being. So it's a, I kind of, as if you're, I'm like, well, you know, I'm getting my last fix of Cynthia for a while. This wouldn't be the worst way to get my last fix of Ramona personally, unless we're going to watch her wear the wrong shoes to a real estate viewing for 12 episodes in New York. I'm a bit <sighs> like what's left there before you get into the politics side of things, you know? So yeah, per- like it's not that I think Ramona's over or I don't enjoy certain scenes or certain moments, but I just worry that we are replaying the same thing with her ad nauseum, whereas at least Luan has a little light and shade in that we see it on this girl's trip thing. She can be very sweet and very fun. And she's a bit of an egomaniac. The minute Ramona said, I just want to be like you, sexy like you or whatever, it's sensual. Luan's ego is being stroked. She's like, oh, come here. I was like, she just wanted to hear that someone wants to be her. That's all. That right. You know? And she wants to move past it because she knows if she's co-star with Ramona, she has to move past it. It's it's a coping mechanism. I understood what yeah. Teresa was saying about get a backbone and stand up for yourself, but you can't with Ramona. Like there's, if you want to f- be on the same cast as her, you have to mm-hmm. move forward. I just think there's this like housewife's trope of like, okay, let's move on and keep yeah. things moving. And I like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't move too fast, you know? And then there's like the Wendy of it all where she holds on, I think, a little too long or it appears that way on our screen. Maybe it only took place over the course of a few months and she didn't have time to move past it. But yeah, I feel like Ramona's getting old and I, I'm not entertained anymore. That's the, that's the difference. This also was filmed before uh, the season of New York aired in which mm. the whole Black Shabbat situation happened, which was arguably one of Ramona's worst <laughs> you know, offenses that we've seen. And I think, you know, and Kyle is, is a Jewish woman. Like, I'm sure she had thoughts about that, I, too. <laughs> I was wondering that, too, because, yeah. you know, I knew that they filmed this in the summer and that we saw the Roni season kind of after. And I was I was curious. I was like, would you say that if you saw Black Shabbat? Would you still feel the same way? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, there is a school of thought that when someone acts out in Housewives, keeping them on the show to sort of face up to what they've done is a way for them to face consequences. But I just, I don't know. Like, I, I truly don't know if I'd miss her on New York. But then, I know. you know, we, we've lost big people and they've come back on all these different cities. It's hard to know. I mean, New York, in terms of how they're going to cast it and what they'll do, that re- more so even than when OC took that pause, I was like, well, they'll bring Heather back. Simple. This New York pause feels like a huge question mark because, and also because we always forget, like, fans which were like they just need to clear the deck and get all these new people in. And New York was the first city to do that years ago in a move that was quite brave i think to really like get rid of a certain amount of people and, and bring in new blood so will they do that again will they keep people and just add two more bodies i don't know but even with the fun stuff on girls ramona i'm like we're just kind of it's, we're playing the same four beats yeah. it's like anything it's like when you watch a scripted show when a character hits the same notes over and over you want the writing to change or for them to bring someone new in and it's a bit like that ramona now i agree okay final two questions if mm-hmm. you were to go on an ultimate girls trip where it was <laughs> not filmed just for fun, which six housewives would you have join you just for fun? 
I love this because I basically ask everyone on my podcast this question about the dinner party. So I'm like, oh my God, I get to do it. Who would I bring just for fun? Okay. I'd bring Melissa because I'm really enjoying Melissa on Girls Trip. And I, maybe not so secretly, even on Jersey, really like Melissa. Like people are like, she's no storyline. I'm like, I like her too. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. I feel like she creates fake things for the show, but she's likable. And she is the sort of, Cynthia Eileen Davidson of New Jersey. She's the the kind of point of view character, the relatively normal one who is warm and and easy to get on with. And we're seeing that in spades, I think, on Girls Trip. And I'm I'm really enjoying Melissa, Um, even though her her insistence that she's a TikTok star, I think is something she should take a long, hard look at. Um, So I would say (laughs) Melissa, first of all. See, this is a fun one. Someone that people I want to hang out with versus like, I could cast a like drama filled production version. Um, kind of going through the cities in my head. I would have Karen Huger because she is over the top and silly, but I, I think at her core, she's a decent person and she would be fun in that context. And I think she would kind of mother everybody, but she'd also like get a few shots of tequila into her. And I mean, I'd want to recreate like that trip they had where she was oh, drunk the at the bar <laughs> spilling. I'm like, I would be like Karen fancy shot of fireball. So I think Melissa, Karen, I'm thinking Garcelle. I really like Ooh, Garcelle's energy. And yes. I loved last season, Beverly Hills in general, but people, some of the cast members and some of the commentary on that season was Garcelle is so shady. And this, I was like, no, I think she's just open and fun and not afraid to ask questions. I never get the sense of Garcelle when she's asking the tough questions on Beverly Hills, that there's malice in it. She's genuinely curious and has a point of view. So I feel like you'd have great conversations with Garcelle on a girl's trip like that. But also she does know how to have fun. I feel like she does know to have fun, how to have fun more. Sometimes in Beverly Hills, I feel like they're playing and having fun. You know, yeah. they're like, we're going to get so crazy. And I'm like, are you? I don't know. <laughs> so that's third. I think, I don't know. She might start to annoy me, but I would have to have Lisa Barlow there. I just want to hear her <laughs> yeah. voice in the morning. Hey, baby, gorgeous. Bacon. Wow. Like just her reaction to things. I think I would just sit there and laugh everything she said, intentional or not. This is controversial, and I feel like it's, I want the version of this person when she was on the show, maybe not now on Twitter, because everyone says she's actually awful, but I think I would want Carol Fadzaville there as well. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, right now, Carol feels a bit, a little bit bitter and a little bit like, you know, like, these know sort of, oh, yeah. I met her and she wasn't that nice, but I'm like, I really liked her on the show at her peak. So I'm like, I want peak season seven, eight Carol to, to come on the trip. So I've got one more. Have I got one more? I feel like I've done five. Anyone okay. from Atlanta? I was going to say Cynthia, but I'm watching that trip. But I, no, from Atlanta, I would say Candy because I have long adored yes. Candy and I love her like business acumen, but also she is that kind of warm, normal person. I feel like you'd have great conversations with her. And I feel like, I know she doesn't drink, but I feel like she knows how to have fun. Oh, I, by the way, so- you don't have to drink to have fun. I just mean, you know, sometimes someone doesn't drink, they feel like they feel like they, people judge them. I feel like she would actually know how to let her hair down, whether she was on the fireball with Karen or not, you know, I think. Yeah. I mean, she yeah, could take a shot of water out of Michael's mouth. <laughs> yeah. She has that <laughs> kind of energy. I, I feel like she could bring some bedroom candy toys and we could all have a laugh about it, like proper hen party kind of vibes. So yeah, I think that, I think candy would be, thank you for bringing up Atlanta. Cause I was going to the cities like, who am I not thinking of? <laughs> right. And then conversely, if you were developing an ultimate girls trip for TV. Oh, Okay, number one, what location would you want to film at? Anywhere in the world. And two, Mm. which housewives, current or former, would you bring for the purpose of TV production? 
like to make explosive like. television. Yeah. Okay. Or funny television or, yeah. you know, it doesn't have true. to be Me. entirely lobby fighting you're like they could just have fun i'm like yeah true um <laughs> i was like amazing like well all at war um i'm trying to give a location because i'm enjoying girls show because it is you know hot sunny weather it's like they're on an island it's like beachy so i'm like trying to think of somewhere because i feel like i like seeing the city breaks on the show but visually they only kind of go so far so i feel like where's maybe somewhere like hawaii would be beautiful like that's gonna be beautiful views and yeah. not a, a million obviously it's completely different to where they are on where in Mexico are they? Oh my God, I'm having a brain Oh, they're in Turks Adam. and Caicos. Okay, Turks and Caicos. Like, yeah, obviously yeah. it's not the same, but visually it will be a similar thing of sun, sand, and like, like chilling a, out by the beach, all that kind of thing. white lotus meets real housewives. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. They're cool because there's an element of white lotus even in the yes. current girlship season. Yes. When we see the staff and you just yes. think, oh, that's the real story. Like those poor put upon staff members. And the makeup artists Ooh. and the, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so, okay, this is controversial. Go but I want to see Erica Jane in that context because yeah. if she's with women from other cities, they're going to ask her questions that, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Like over breakfast, like being like, so did, you, so is your pop career funded on ill-gotten gains? Honey, like just that. I need to see <laughs> that straight off gains. the bat. You know, like to be polite about it. So Erica, for one, see, I don't want to suggest anyone who's done this girl's trip or the next one because I'm trying to think of newer people, like people we haven't. I would say Ashley Darby because- Ashley's great TV, that's a good right? One. Quick-witted, and she's like, you know, one of the younger cast members. So that's already a different perspective. I feel like her and Erica, like alone, that would be so interesting. So Erica Ashley. Erica Ashley sounds like a drag performer. If you're a drag queen <laughs> listening, Erica Ashley can be your you can have that for free. I think, I mean, she would never do it, but she's iconic. I think Nene Weeks would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Because just her, like, how would she because you know the thing with Nene when she was on at that after point was her position in the group became very much queen bee status. How would she assert queen beedom in this realm? I think LVP, cause I was thinking about this today. I was like, would I, I think if they twisted her arm, she would do a housewives girls trip, whatever the format will be all stars. Yeah, shall we as say as long as no one else from Beverly Hills was on it. I think she would do it. So I think I would quite like to see Lisa in that context. And I know this sounds crazy, but like in a way on like Beverly Hills and pump rules, Lisa's always in like her drag, which is like the puffy shirt and the jeans. It's always yeah, so it's, yeah. it adds 20 years onto stuff. I'm like, I want to see you in a fun summer wrap dress, a sarong, just hang like a fresher, younger vibe. Because Lisa looks so good and she's got this kind of joie de vivre, but sometimes she dresses. I'm like, you dress like an 82-year-old. What what nothing wrong with being 82, but like when you're not 82, why dress 82? So right. and that probably sounds a bit harsh, but anyway. So that's a fourth one. Who else? I'm like going to New York. I think, I think Sonia. Like, I feel like if she was on the girls' trip season we have now, she might pull focus a bit because she's so crazy on the, in a trip dynamic. Yeah. But I have such a soft spot for her, and I would really like to see her in that realm. Um. I'm going to, I know this is annoying, but I'm going to do it because I've talked about this person so much on my podcast recently from Housewives in Melbourne, Janet Roach, who if people remember, she's kind of one of the older gals in the group. She's like this kind of tall, skinny blonde. And she's basically like a bit of a villain and she's not afraid to antagonize and kind of go after people. And I've always kind of dreamt of Janet popping into an American show and completely ruffling feathers. So I'd say Janet Roach. And if Janet's not free, I would because she's going to be a real housewife, Caroline Stanbury, I would consider yep. dropping her oh, in for drama. So really one of those, 
Yes. One of those mean-spirited but utterly watchable blonde women. Like, drop them in the mix. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I would watch all of that. Thank Hawaii, you. My pr- the White Lotus Hotel. <laughs> yeah, literally. God, they just completely break any semblance of, like, fourth wall and reality and set it in the exact same place. You and I would just be, like, sitting on these chairs at the on the pool deck reading, being like, oh. <laughs> yeah, not a page. And the book is on the same page the whole trip. I haven't switched to page four yet because there's a lot going on. The book is upside down <laughs> at one point. I'm, like, I'm not even reading the book. <laughs> well, Connor, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell everyone where they can find you, listen to your podcast, yes. all of the stuff that you have going on. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Strictly to, I know you're uh, having your Thanksgiving breaks. So it's been fun to catch up. Um, so if you want to listen to the podcast, it is called Housewives and Me. We have guests from all walks of life and housewife standards. So we've had people on who watch every single city obsessively. We've had people on who just watch Beverly Hills really intensely. So we've had people like Evan Ross, Katz, Brian Moylan, Elizabeth Day, Irish pop sensation, Samantha Mumbo. When I found out she watched Housewives, I was like, you and I need to have a discussion. Um, and there's lots of people who aren't maybe like quote unquote names, but they're just people who have like a really fun perspective. So I'm really happy with the show because each week, someone says something that I never would have expected. So like each week I'm like, Oh, okay. I never thought of that. So it's a really fun mix of conversations and it's not a recap show. So you can kind of dip in and out or, you know, I always say it's handy for people. It's a, it's a useful show for people who are new to the shows. Cause they can go on this an episode about maybe the one city they've seen, or, you know, like it's a good primer if you want to know more about New York. So yeah, it's a new episodes out every Tuesday guests from all over the world will have to have you on as a yeah, quick quote. Um, and if you want to follow the show on social media, it's at Housewives and Me on Instagram and Twitter. I am on Instagram and Twitter. It's Connor Bean, uh, C-O-N-O-R-B-E-H-I-N is my name. So yeah, find the podcast, follow along. If you're ever in Dublin, I'm a DJ in the George. It's a big gay venue here. So put that on your bucket list if you're coming to Dublin. I mean, maybe not with Miss Rona going around, but the podcast is Housewives and Me and people can get that wherever they listen to their podcasts. <sighs> Thank you so much for being on. I've had so much fun. We'll have to have you back. And I can't wait to talk more with you. Cheers. Thank you.